Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. You can follow me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app by searching your Google Play Store and your App Store and searching Ignite Church VT, or you can follow us online at IgniteChurchVT.com. We've got an incredible show today. You don't want to miss it. All kinds of stuff happening all over the culture. This is a great conversation to have. It's a great moment to have it, and I look forward to spending the next few moments with you. Share this podcast, share this episode, and I'll be right back. Well, as you know, the conversation that's going around the nation right now is about the um, the striking down of Roe versus Wade at the federal level, and uh, understand that that you know that that does not diminish the fact that uh, at the state levels they can still allow abortions to take place and the murdering of the unborn. Now that that term I just used, the murdering of the unborn, has become a trigger word for so many uh, throughout the nation right now. But all of these protests, everything that's happening around the nation right now, as you begin to to see the protests and the destructions that are happening um, at pro-life centers or pre- uh, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, uh, it's just unbelievably sad and pathetic to see that they're are a group of people. There are people around this nation. Um, if, if they really understood that um, Roe never even had, uh, I forget what her real name was off the top of my head, but she never even followed through with the abortion. Never even had the abortion. Yet they're freaking out. They're calling you and I names. They're labeling us. They're, there's property destruction happening. There's all of these hate crimes happening against those who believe in life and those who believe in the viability of, of that baby in the mother's womb. And, you know, I've seen people here at our church, I've seen people around the country really being attacked on social media based on their personal opinions and what they believe to be right, what they believe to be true. And it's amazing that it's okay that you have an opinion as long as it agrees with one side, as long as it agrees with the pro, uh, pro-choice pro side, or as I say, the pro-death side, uh, you know, they like to say pro-life and pro-choice, but truly it's pro-life and pro-death. And um, it's amazing to me to see that um, they'll leave you alone as long as you agree with them. But the moment you say you believe in life, you believe in protecting this baby in this baby's um, mother's womb, you all of a sudden become anti-woman, you become anti-rights, you know, and, and, and they go around saying that's our constitutional right to be able to have an abortion. There is no constitutional right to have an abortion. There's just not a right to have an abortion, period. And all of these things, this is why the court should have never picked this up. They should have never, ever picked this up. Because now that they picked it up, now that they, they uh, put this thing in place and, 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 and caused a conversation to happen at the federal level, um, it just caused all kinds of issues. But, but I can tell you something, 20 years from today, someone will change the world. And it's going to be because their mother's abortion appointment was canceled because of what happened with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Norma McCovey, that's her name. She used the alias Jane Roe. And, and, and during that time, if I remember correctly, she was suing the Dallas 
district attorney. And I, I did some reading about her. You know, it's good to, to read up and to know what you're talking about before you have conversations with people. And what I, what I found out is that she was raised in a severely broken home. She later became a Christian in the mid-90s, was led to the Lord by a wonderful family, but she still struggled in her life following her salvation. Yet even after the ruling, she never had an abortion in her lifetime. Instead, she chose adoption for two of her three children. So this is the same woman that the pro-death supporters are screaming Jane's revenge for. They're, go they're going all over the streets, marching up and down the streets, screaming Jane's revenge. Roe never had an abortion. However, if you really want to get down to the grit and the meat of this conversation, let's talk about Planned Parenthood for a minute. Margaret Sanger who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, was used by demonic principalities and powers. In 1939, she started something called the Negro Project with the Birth Control Federation of America. Now, I could stop right there, end this podcast, and if you knew nothing else about what's happening right now in this culture and the spirit of what's driving it, what I just stated right there would tell you all you need to know. She started the Negro Project with the Birth Control Federation of America. Then she spoke to the Ku Klux Klan group and advocated for a eugenics approach to breeding for the, I'm, I'm quoting her now, the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stock, those human weeds, she called them, which threatens the blooming of the finest flowers of America's civilization. We're going to go and support that kind of organization over defending the life of a baby and the uterus of a mother in the womb of a mother. So you say, well, what's eugenics? Eugenics is the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. She wanted to eradicate the black population as well as mentally and physically disabled beings under the guise of woman's reproductive rights. And you can find this letter online, which was dated December 10th, 1939. I don't care if the child's conceived in rape, poverty, if it's got physical handicaps, if that baby's born into a single family home, if that child is born with drug addicts as parents, if, if any situation in that home is not sustainable for that child, they still all have equal value to the child conceived in health, wealth, and a family that can fully support that baby. But this is why, if we're going to have this conversation, not only do families and, 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 and parents and this culture need to be educated and we need to have the conversation about what adoption means, about what foster parenting means. See, we can't just have this conversation as Christians and, and, and just go shout pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. Let's do what we can do to, number one, educate people on, a, on, on, on fostering. When a mom wants to have abortion, you may have to go through the foster system. When a mother wants to have an abortion, you may have to go through the adoption system. There's, there, there, there are a few other variances there, but we've got to understand what it means to do this. We've got to bring down the costs of adoption. You cannot... Tell a family who wants to care for, love, adopt this beautiful child that they're going to go broke in the process. But this generation, I'm grateful for this generation. Along with our fervent prayers, this generation is the one that has said enough and stopped the daily killing of 2,363 babies 
every day by abortion. And but, but listen, while we celebrate this at the federal level, the fight only begins. I'm here in Vermont as we seek to continue to save innocent lives that this government believes is okay to murder and kill inside the womb of their mother. Proposition 5 here in Vermont is at the forefront of the conversation, giving mothers and parents the ability to murder their baby all the way through nine months. We need to see Proposition 5 destroyed. So whatever state you're in, whatever proposition, whatever laws they're trying to implement and put in place because of what happened at the federal level, you need to start calling, writing your lawmakers and push back on these death bills. And I, I know it's very easy to just stay at home and, and, and think about it and pray about it and just say, well, my voice really doesn't matter. They're going to do what they want to do anyway. Uh, there's truth to that. They are going to do what they want to do anyway. But you have a constitutional right. You have a moral contract and moral obligation with God, with the Holy Spirit within you to stand for truth and stand for righteousness. This is a kingdom moment right now. We're not, this is not a political conversation. You see, anything that God begins to release his spirit over, anything the word of God speaks over, the enemy will try to take and use to destroy the word of God with and by whatever means possible. God is moving. And we've been declaring and speaking this over the past two years. We are on the edge of the greatest move of God that our generation has ever seen. And I believe we're about to see it. I believe we are about to see the greatest move of God that our generation has ever seen. But there's a lot of conversation happening around the country. There's a lot of conversation happening maybe at your workplace, maybe in your family. I've seen it all over social media. We've got some people here in our church that said they, they've had some relationships ruined with their family because of this conversation, because they're fighting for life and their family is believing that women should still have the right to kill their baby. The wild thing is, at least here in Vermont, and I don't know about other places around the nation, but this Proposition 5 that I just mentioned, um, proponents claim that this Proposition 5, Article 22, is just a simple amendment to protect a woman's right to an abortion. But the amendment language doesn't even contain the word abortion and does not even refer to women. What, so what does the proposed amendment to the Vermont Constitution really say? It says this that an individual's right to personal reproductive autonomy is central to the liberty and dignity to determine one's own life course and shall not be denied or infringed unless justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. I mean, you, you, they're going to use the words liberty and dignity and life shall not be denied, individual right, this proposed amendment is absolutely inhumane, it's dangerous, it's, it's expensive, it's unconscionable, it's consequential. I mean, you name it. That's what's happening around this nation. This amendment strips any opportunity for future legislat uh, legislations to legally protect an unborn baby at any time throughout all nine months of pregnancy. So what this allows, if that mother is laying on the, 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 the table on, on, in, in, the, in the birthing position, ready to give birth and decides at the last minute, I don't want to have this baby, they can crush and kill that baby in the womb of this mother right before birth. This proposition would effectively shield abortion businesses from state oversight or regulation. Even in Vermont, Planned Parenthood, is the largest provider of abortions in our state, and they perform approximately 1,100 abortions in all of their Vermont clinics. 
Other abortionists could also freely commit abortions throughout pregnancy without regulation, oversight, or accountability, leading to harm for young girls and women. Medical professionals would be prevented from consciously objecting to participating in these procedures that they consider morally reprehensible or that go against their best medical judgment. This proposition would also prevent parents from any involvement in the most serious decisions regarding their minor children, from abortion to sterilization to transgender hormones and surgeries. There is no lower age limit in the language of Proposition 5 facing us here in Vermont. It's absolutely disgusting. It is despicable. It is demonic. There is not only the spirit of Ahab and Jezebel all over this nation, there is also the spirit of Herod. And, 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 and Pharaoh over this nation. There is a spirit of death over this nation. And while we are praying and we are interceding and we are trusting God to move mightily in this nation, it's very important, very important that we respond with a different spirit. I've seen Christians on, on Fox News, on Newsmax and, and, and CNN and all those other channels that, that don't matter. Uh, I don't watch the Communist News Network, if you're wondering. Um, I don't even really watch Fox News that much. I just kind of uh, do my own research and look around and see online what's going on. Um, all of those news channels, they're all trash. None of them really uh, produce much quality um, of newsworthiness anyway. They're all slanted. They've all got their own perspective and their own point of view that they try to shove down your throat. So I do my own investigative, um, um, uh, quantitative research and, and see what's going on in the world of social media as well as, as the news. But it's important right now in this season. And I know that many people are having all kinds of different conversations around the country and you're losing relationships. Some of you may be gaining relationships because of this. But Luke 17, um, the Bible says, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him though whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea rather than he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. And it's very important that we don't take the bait right now. Whenever you go fishing, it's much like life. You see something you want, you don't know if it is or isn't something that you wanted until you bit into it, right? Because behind the, behind the bait was a hook. And the real intention of the bait was not for you to satisfy your hunger, but for you to satisfy somebody else's hunger. So we catch fish and we eat them so we're, so we're not hungry. So the science behind the hook and the illusion is that if you get to the hook, your hunger will be satisfied. But the truth is that the hook is designed for you to satisfy somebody else's hunger. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him though they come. The word inevitable or impossible in the Greek means unallowable. So sometimes when you read the Bible, you kind of have to go a little bit deeper and further because you will look at that and miss miss some stuff. Because when he says inevitable or impossible, depending on your translation, it doesn't mean that something cannot be done. That's what impossible means to a lot of people. And if I told you it's impossible for you to do something, then what have I communicated to you? I've communicated to you that I don't believe that you have the ability to do something. So if you read this according to the way we define words, you'll see that God is saying it is impossible that offenses will come and things will offend you. And that's true. But the word in the original text means unallowable, which means God is saying, I will not allow you to live a life where you are not offended. It's amazing in this culture, in this season, in time right now that we live in, that people are just dumbfounded when they're offended. 
that they believe that their offense gives them the right to act ungodly, unreasonable, um, immoral, uh, begin to tear one another down. God is saying here, I'm not going to allow you to have a job where they're not going to offend you. I won't allow you to be so in love that they are not offensive. So for all who are looking for the perfect mate, the perfect spouse, God said, I'm not even going to allow that kind of relationship to happen. That relationship will not ever happen. There will never be a relationship where people will not offend you and get on your nerves. He's not going to allow you to have a boss where you won't have a little friction once in a while. He's not going to allow you to, to have a dream where you, you won't, you won't um, experience nightmares once in a while as you pursue that dream and you pursue that vision that God's given you because something comes through the offense that you don't learn through the defense. So if you want to find out the big idea of this season, this moment that we're in in our history, in, in our culture right now, in the territory that God's called us to take, in the, in the space he's called us to occupy, what God is actually saying through Luke chapter 17 is that I will absolutely not allow you to not be offended. I will intentionally allow the enemy and the circumstances around you to put you in a position to be offended because it is only in offense that I can find out that you how you live your life in defense. Most people, you know why you get offended so fast? Because you're defensive all day long. You don't trust anybody. You believe everybody's out to get you. Come on, let's be real. That, that's how the majority of Christians live their life. That's the, how the majority of culture lives their life. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I grew up saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Now, when I go out in public now, when I go to a restaurant, uh, when I go to a store and um, I'm up front with the cashier or I'm at the restaurant and the waiter or waitress is there, um, they'll probably change that. And you'll probably have to say wait person or something. Who knows? You probably, they probably don't want you saying waiter or waitress anymore now either. Who knows what? You can't keep up with their, their, their changing codes and expectations every single day. But... I, I find myself even being more cautious to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I have to intentionally tell myself to do it regardless of whether or not someone's going to be offended because out of my heart, that's how I grew up as a sign of respect and honor and value and appreciation to someone. Now, if it's amazing how that can come out of my heart to value someone and appreciate them to where I'll say, no, sir, or, or yes, ma'am, you know, but they will, somebody else could interpret that as a slight and now say, well, you are assuming my gender. No, I'm not assuming your gender. I can look at you and tell you're a woman. I can look at you and tell you're a man. You might dress differently, but I can look and tell you are a man. And I'm going to treat you as such. I'm not going to treat you based on your preferred pronoun. I'm not, I, you and I cannot be worried when we go out into culture and allow the immorality of the culture and the, 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 the tearing down of values to determine how we interact with society. You and I have been called by God to lead in the midst of society, to lead in the middle of the culture. So what happens is we cannot be like other people where anytime somebody says something to you, you've got to clap back because you live life cocked and ready to go. You know, you're getting dressed at 6 a.m. and you're already saying, they better not say anything to me today. Nobody better cross me because I'm ready to pop off. You cannot live life defensively like that. Because when you're playing defensive all day long, everything is offensive. Somebody can look at you funny. 
and just completely screw your day up. Somebody can say something wrong to you and your whole day is messed up. When you're defensive, you'll come into church and, uh, you know, I, I joke about this once in a while because some people are this way and they'll get all ticked off saying, why is somebody sitting in my seat? They know where that, they know that's where I sit. I sit there every week. And immediately the spirit of that person is unable to receive anything in that entire worship service because that moment caused them to be defensive. That moment caused them to operate with a bad attitude. That moment of seeing someone else sitting in their seat caused them to walk in a different spirit. But pastor, they know that's where I sit and, and they know I sit there and it ticks me off that they sit there knowing that's where I sit. Well, I've got an answer for you. How about you were late and they were on time and they were even early. And since you weren't there and you somehow think we should hold a prime spot for a late person, they took it because they're ready to have time with God. You took it casually. You show up late week after week after week after week and somebody else decided to sit there because they're here on time. I don't get that. You know, I grew up in church and it just baffles my mind how people just show up 30, 45 minutes after church starts. You know, but that's that religious mindset. Just go get your fix, go home. And, you know, they're not looking for an encounter with God. You know, people that constantly show up late week after week after week after week. I've heard people give me the excuse, well, pastor, I, I don't really come to worship because I'm not a worshiper. No, you are a worshiper. You're just choosing to defy a portion of your relationship with God because of your own personal preferences. Or people get all upset when they're texting and driving and they get mad when somebody blows their horn. So they, they flip them off. You're at a red light and you sit there for, you know, five, seven seconds on green and get mad when somebody honks their horn. I'm guilty of that. I mean, if you're sitting at an intersection for five or seven seconds, you've had, after that light's turned green, you have had plenty of time to check the intersection. Somebody go. <laughs> but listen, when you're defensive, even when you're wrong, you will find an answer and an excuse to justify your rationality. When you are defensive, you will find right inside of your wrong. And a lot of people live life defensive, which is why you cannot be angry and sin not. Because we live our life defensive. And God says, I will not allow you to live a life without offense. So why are you living your life in defense? Christians, it's, it's important that while this abortion debate is happening all over the nation, while there is such divide happening, even in houses of worship, it's happening. But throughout culture, it's very important that we do not respond out of the same spirit, out of the same agitation that we are seeing happen from the other side, from, from, from liberal ideologies, from um, um, progressive thinkers, from people that don't have the moral convictions and the moral character that you and I do. I've heard so, so many people um, saying, well, this is a religious thing. This is, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God. So this doesn't apply to me. You're trying to shove your religion down my throat. Protecting life doesn't have anything to do with the Bible from the, the perspective that we are talking about right now. We have a conviction based on our moral conscience that, yes, comes through a relationship with God. But when, when, if someone was to murder a pregnant woman, they are convicted for two homicides, not one. Because even our law knows that baby is a life. So we justify a mother's um, personal convictions and believe that they have the right because that baby is inside the womb of that mother. But that is an individual body. That is an individual life. That baby has individual feelings. And we allow the personal convictions of that mother to supersede the life of that child because in our government, at the Supreme Court level, they've said mothers should have the right to kill their babies. How come no one's talking about 
the, the, the conscience of the father. And I know in all, all situations, there's not a father around, but let's have the conversation about the father as well. We've got 65, 68 million abortions happening since Roe versus Wade was implemented in America. I don't hear much conversation about, well, what does the father say about it? So we give all the rights 100% to a mother because she's the one carrying that baby. That's a completely separate body, completely separate life. But we can't respond with the same disgust that we are seeing coming at us who are standing for truth and standing for righteousness right now. Listen, some people, they don't even need anything to fight. They don't need an argument. It's, it, it isn't going to take very long. All you got to do is just give one word. Just say one thing. I mean, and they're coming at you. But Jesus said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. I will not allow you to have a life without offenses. I won't allow you to have relationships without offenses. And, and, and you don't know where the relationship stands until you can be offended and see if you survive. You know how you know? There's an old there's an, you know, there's, there's an offense, even though I'm offended, I'm looking for reconciliation. There's an old, um, an old experience that I'm thinking of right now where I had to go to the person and say, listen, even though I was right in, in, in what I said and what I did, I'm sorry, forgive me for the way I responded to you. And I don't know about you, but that's a tough thing for some people to do, especially when you're getting attacked on social media. And listen, most of your friends on social media aren't your friends anyway. Just because they're classified that and Zuckerberg thinks that he has the right to, you know, dictate who your friends are. Come on, let's be real. You don't have relationships with them. They're acquaintances. They're social acquaintances. Most of the people that we have in so, on social media accounts are not friends. And to be honest, you could care less if the offense is reconciled with those guys. You don't usually message them or you don't usually call them up because you don't usually have their phone number, but you don't really care. But people you are in deep relationship with, even if you are the one who's been offended, you will go to them and say, let's try to make this right. I'm sorry, forgive me for what I did. Forgive me for my part. Listen, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Forgiveness is not a gift you give somebody else. When you forgive somebody, you can walk in complete and total freedom. Let's be honest, how many of us really look for reconciliation when it's not your fault? That means it's not my fault, but I'm going to do what I can do to make this work. Most of the people that I personally know don't apologize when they know they're wrong. Most people I know wait on the other person to admit their fault, apologize, and then they start to further add insult to injury and start pointing out everything that was wrong before the apology. So the word impossible means unallowable, inevitable. But that's not true, truly the key word in this text. The key word in this text is offense, offenses, offensive. Now, when you look up the word offensive or offenses, what does that mean? That means somebody did something to hurt your feelings, did something you didn't like, they got on your nerves. The Greek word for offense in this text is the Greek word for scandalon, where we get the word scandal from. A scandalon is described as kind of that piece of wood that is, is under the box that's holding the box up with the bait underneath the box. And you got that, some, that, that one person all you know hidden around the corner with a string that once you get under the box, they pull the string, move the, move the wood, move the scandalon, and it drops the box and traps you. That piece of wood is called a scandalon. Now, that piece of wood that supports a trap is called a scandalon. So whenever you put cheese in the trap, 
And the mouse goes in and he gets the cheese. If he doesn't touch the scandalon, he can sometimes grab the bait and go back out. But when he gets into the trap and he thinks it's, he's made for it or is not paying attention, when he's not paying attention to what he's brushing up against, when he's not paying attention to who he's hanging out with, come on, I'm talking to you right now, when, he, when he's not paying attention to who he's seen with, when he's not paying attention to who he is in proximity again, he busts up against the scandalon. It's not the bait, it's what's holding the trap. And when he gets in and makes the wrong move, the trap gets him. See, the problem is not what, what, you know, the problem is not that you took the bait. The problem is when you got in, you made the wrong move. It's okay to, to get into this conversation right now about abortion. We need to. It's important that you do. But if you go into that conversation, don't be trapped by the bait that other people are trying to put in front of you to make you seem like you don't care about humanity, to make you, make you feel like you're shoving religion down their throat. This isn't a religious conversation right now. This is a moral conversation. And for some of us, we are guided by the Holy Spirit. We are guided by our relationship with Jesus. They call that religion. I call that a relationship with Jesus. I call that a relationship with my creator. It doesn't have anything to do with my religion. The problem is when you disturb, when you disturb the scandal on and when you disturb that stick, the door closes behind you and prevents you from being able to get out. That's why you've got to know what you're talking about when you go into these conversations. Can you defend why you believe what you believe right now? There's a whole lot of people standing in the middle of, of, of these intersections around the nation and walking up and down the streets and screaming at, at, at people and going into these uh, pro-life centers and these pregnancy centers, and they are screaming what they believe to be true. And what they expect from you and I is that we back down, we cave, we shut up, and we're quiet about it. That's not what needs to happen. We need to stand for truth. We need to stand for righteousness, but we must do it in the right spirit with the right heart. No one's lives are ever going to be changed or their minds are never going to be changed by getting face to face with them and screaming at them and, 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 and holding a sign in front of their face. If you're going out and you're standing for, for truth and you're standing for righteousness and you're standing for life in this season right now that we're in and you're doing that in the public square, do it with a Christ-like attitude. Do it with the fervency of Christ. Now, listen, I'm not saying don't be a, I'm not saying be a doormat. No, do not be a doormat. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Don't be a doormat, but do it with the right spirit. Do not lay down and be trampled on and walked on. And do not keep your mouth closed because you are intimidated by those who are screaming at you. It's usually the ones that are screaming at you. The reason they're screaming at you is because they have nothing intellectual to say to justify their stance and their position. So they have to scream. And anytime the devil uses something to lure you into a situation, a conversation, a moment, and you get in and you start acting crazy, when you start saying stuff you don't have any business saying, Listen, and when you get offended, offended people act crazy. When you get offended, you say anything. When you're offended, you'll do anything. When you get offended, you'll say things that you can't take back. I, 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 Christians will even cuss people out, try to go back to the past and use stuff they shouldn't even be saying. It's what you did when you got in the trap that has kept you in and you can't get out. It's not that you went in there. It's that you went in and started acting a fool and you got stuck. It's not that you and I should avoid the abortion conversation. We should be the loudest mouthpiece to our generation right now. 
But right now, the people with the megaphone are the ones acting demonic. They're the ones with, a, with an ungodly spirit. And yet they're the ones the media is pushing. They're the ones the media and social media is projecting into the limelight. I would love to see people's hearts and lives turned around, but they're not going to turn their lives around by me screaming and shouting at their face. So you can't let your temper blow up. You can't let your mouth get you in trouble. See, the devil could have lured you into a conversation and, 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 and put a fence around you and wouldn't let you out, but if you could have just kept your cool. If you could have just gone in and still kept yourself in check and let go of what you occupied, or let, let go of rather what was holding you that now occupies you, when you get in and you don't use what God taught you, when you get in and you don't use the scriptures and you don't use your patience and you don't control your tongue and you don't let your mind cool off. And when you get into a situation and you act, uh, you know, my wife and I uh, use this term hood crazy, you get stuck. I don't know about you, but I haven't always lived in Vermont my whole life. I've been in some, I, I, you know, pretty much spend the majority of my adult, early adulthood in Orlando, Florida. And I can tell you, I've been in some hood places. I've been in some, some, some crazy moments and crazy situations uh, over my 21 plus years uh, in Orlando and, and um, been in some pretty uh, severe uh, situations to where you've seen the real identity of who people are come out. Some of the arguments that you have, the people didn't intend to argue with you. They just knew how to lure you in with the right bait because they knew where you were from. They knew what's truly in you. So they used the bait to bring out what's really truly in you and expose that. Listen, I don't care what your boss says to you. Don't take the bait. Your boss could be related to your next boss. So you better not take the bait, right? Come on. You could be in a lot of trouble based on who you follow in. And if you are connected to and in a relationship with people who disturbed a lot of scandalons, if you're in a relationships with, with people who've burned a lot of bridges, if, if you have a history of hanging out with people who treat people in bad ways, if you have a history of being with people who don't know how to accept spiritual gifts, maybe you have a history of being with people who don't know how to pray when it gets difficult, so they just pop off and they just lose their temper. And then you follow them into a trap and you become a victim of somebody else's circumstances. Why? Because they disturbed the scandal on and you followed them right in. And when the stick moved, you got trapped. You've got to be careful with what you brush up against. For some of you, right now in this season, being somebody's friend is sometimes bait. There's a lot of people saying they're not able to go to their their family's homes right now because they know this conversation is so rooted. They know it's, it's so vile that they can't even go to their family's homes right now. There's this old saying that says, if you're not at the table, then you're most likely on the menu. And I think for some of us, that's, that, that's where we're at right now in this culture. But that does not mean you hold your tongue. That means you operate in a different spirit when you speak. Because sometimes people will invite you to dinner without even telling you you are the main course. So you've got to make sure when you show up for dinner, you are adequately prepared to respond based on the, the environment that you are putting yourself in and be able to intellectually, ethically, morally, with all character, with all integrity, respond in a Christ-like way. Respond being able to control your tongue, knowing when it's time to be in the conversation and when it's time to not be in the conversation. Don't take the bait. So many people have a propensity to steer 
towards the anger and the negativity. So we find ways to applaud people when they do crazy stuff, not realizing that's why they stay trapped because they have that kind of mentality. And that's disturbing, the scandalon. And the problem with the trap is that once you're in the trap, you can't get the meal that's prepared because you took the bait instead. See, both of them get you full, but one of them keeps you trapped. And I think we're in a season, we're in a time right now where we've got to begin to prepare for the season that we are about to enter. I've been telling you before, we are about to enter the greatest season that I've ever seen in this culture. God's about to move in a way our culture has never seen before. It's amazing. This is why I believe the church is in the greatest place it could possibly be in 2022, because I believe a seed produces after its own kind. And most people do not come from a privileged place and they have to work hard where they, you know, where they end up in life. And when we come together, there's a common bond that we believe God can put something great inside of ordinary. In fact, you may not have a trophy case and diplomas hanging on the wall. You may say, well, pastor, I couldn't afford to go to church. I mean, I couldn't afford to go to, to school. But I'm sitting here in church and I'm believing that God is going to do something incredible in my life. So God can take the despised, he can take the weak, the Bible says, the ostracized, the square peg and the round hole, so to speak. And though you've been overlooked many times in life, he's packed you full of greatness. But there are so few people that know how to take greatness and remove it from all the dirt and the garbage that people show up in life with because the treasure does arrive in earthen vessels and the miner knows how you've got to move a ton of dirt to find an ounce of gold. And the fact that God brought you into this season, this moment, this time, you were born for this moment, means that there is some mining that you and I are responsible for doing in our culture. We may look on the news and it may be tough for you to pray for people. No, you need to pray for them. You need to believe God's best for their life. You need to pray that God would save them and that God would release them into the fullness of what he has for their life. And while we are seeing destruction with character, with morality, with integrity take place all over the nation, it's, it's very important that we stand in agreement with the word of God. It is the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous that availeth much. It is the fervent prayers of the righteous that availeth much. Fervent prayers produce. It is vital that you and I pray to see God produce in the earth. Not just pray, but work our faith. When you go out into the culture, you are a reflection of the kingdom. You are, you are a lighthouse in the midst of darkness. And there's darkness all over this nation right now. There's darkness in your city. There's darkness in your workplace. There's darkness in your family. Maybe not in your immediate family, but possibly in your extended family, there's darkness. You are called to dispel that darkness with the love, with the grace, the mercy that Christ has given you. You and I are, call, are called to dispel darkness with that same love, that same light, that same grace, and that same mercy. That's why we're, we're told to tame our tongue, because we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We can't respond in this moment right now the same way the world is. That's why we've got to pray, we've got to read the word, we've got to know what the word of God says, and within that realm of being spirit-led in this culture, we've got to work our faith, we've got to inject ourselves into the midst of this conversation and not be persuaded by the, by the vile attitudes and the 
We cannot be persuaded by the vile attitudes and the, 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 the nasty nature that the culture is reflecting and representing in this culture. You and I are called to reflect something different. That's why worship is so important. It's so important that you stay prayed up, that you are worshiping, that you are giving God praise, that you are honoring him for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's about to do. I believe that if we get through this season, this the, the past two years were just a bear battle compared to what God is going to allow us to step into. He's, he's testing his people. He's testing his church to see what we are truly capable of producing in the earth. We cannot get comfortable and sit in our spiritual lazy boys and just expect this country, this nation, whatever, whatever country you're in right now is only going to change because of you. Whatever part of the world you're listening from right now, that part of the world, God strategically handpicked you and placed you in so that you could be a change and you could be a light in the middle of darkness. We have the power and the ability. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given us all authority. He's given us the power to change the space and the place that he's called us to occupy. Our time is right now. So let's respond in a different spirit. Let's respond through praise and worship. Let's respond with intellectual conversation. Let's get a word on what's happening right now in our nation. Let's get involved. Some of you need to run for local uh, local city councils. You need to run for school boards. You need to run at your state uh, Senate and House level. Some of you may even go beyond that and seek national positions. But it is time the people of God get involved in what's happening in this nation. Get involved in your churches. Get involved in your schools. God has not called us and given us such great promise and such great purpose to sit back and watch the destruction of the territory he's called us to take. We have been called to occupy until he comes and it's time that we do it. Go get involved. Go be the change. Use the spirit of the Holy, use the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And because of that, the Bible says, you know all things. So if you're wondering what tomorrow looks like, get before God. If you wonder what your future looks like, get before God. If you wonder what tomorrow is going to bring your way, if you wonder how you're going to respond to the future that God is about to allow you to step into, get before God. The fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for this nation. I'm praying for this abortion situation that's happening all over the nation. God will reign supreme. He is allowing his church, the people of God, to step into the forefront of what's happening culturally, and we will see his word come back to him full of what he sent it to do. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. Subscribe to this podcast. You can share this podcast. You can connect with us online at Ignite Church VT or download our app by searching wherever you get your apps from and looking for Ignite Church VT. I will see you on another episode of Shatterproof. Until then, be blessed and go change the world.